Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello, everyone. This is Tara Williams with The Mom Manual. I have another amazing guest for you today. Jenny Wecker is the founder of Fond Design. She is the mom of three girls. And today, she's going to talk to us about some of the highs and lows of being a business owner. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I am thrilled to have you. You founded Fond Design in 2014. So I said before the call, I said, you are an OG. Tell us <laughs> what it's like to have a business for nine years and, and tell, bring us back to the very beginning. Like, how did it start? Tell us all the things. Yeah, well, I know I mentioned to you, I feel like it's aged me like 30 years. So I... I started the business, I think I was almost 22. Maybe I was still 21. I'd have to go back and do the math. So I'm, I'm actually still pretty young. I turned 31 this year. And, and that's something that really surprises people. But I always tell them I've always been kind of an old soul. But with the business, I had a friend who was pregnant and she couldn't find a diaper bag that she liked. And so I thought I could make her something cool that you know, she would like and would be really functional. And so I ended up designing what we call our original diaper bag today for her. And a lot of people maybe don't know, but I actually used to hand make all the bags when I first started. So I made her this first one after, you know, months of prototypes and all those things. And I gave it to her at a baby shower. And at the baby shower, she had a few friends who were like, Hey, can you make me one of those bags? And so I was like, yeah, I guess I could make, yeah. I could make some more. And it just, snowballed into I was making bags for people and it very quickly was turning into a full-fledged business you know and I still had a full-time job my husband and I were newly married he was in school working like you know just the very much we were very broke living in a one-bedroom apartment and I was just sewing at our kitchen table and trying to make this thing work and yeah eventually I got really burnt out of sewing and couldn't keep up with the demand and so we then you know that's a whole other story but got into the manufacturing side and that's kind of where things started to really pick up for us and yeah but definitely your typical you know entrepreneur story kind of coming kind of from nothing and I think what surprises me even to this day is just what it's become when I had no intentions of it being more than just this one gift to a friend. Yeah, it's that's crazy. So how long did you hand make the bags before you brought it into a manufacturer? I did the bags for about a year. Um, and in that year, I sewed around 100 bags, which you know, maybe doesn't sound like a lot or maybe to some it does, but it's like each one took me four hours and I was still working another job. So I would come home from work around five o'clock and I would stay up and sew till three or four in the morning every day. And, you know, but it was, it was such a grind, but you know, I always tell people like I was sewing till like literally like the edges of my fingers were bleeding because oh. it was just such hard work for, you know, pennies at the time, but sometimes I miss those, those simple days. They feel simple now, but yes, um, 
Yes, that, I mean, I think that, you know, Dreamline Baby, we started four years ago. So we're, we're more in that infancy stage where yeah. everything is still, you know, we have just a handful of employees and we all work from home and it's pretty easy. And then as that gets, it grows bigger, it beca- it feels like it's almost out of your, your control and it, yeah, it's going totally. so big. I bet you could never have imagined at the time, like sitting at that table, sewing that bag, you know, people always talk about your future self, right? Like like this version of you or that version of you could never have imagined what you'd be doing today. Not, not even close. And I think what's even been kind of a challenge now, like almost 10 years into it is it's like, how, like, what goal do I even pick next? Because I've done so much more than I ever even imagined achieved to like, I just like, it's, it's hard for me to even put to words. So it's like, how do I now even like, what's the next thing? Because it's just, I'm so blown away and so grateful, but I just, yeah, I've, it's just, yeah, a dream come true. So, you know, with this, one of the things we're going to talk about today is how to avoid burnout, right? And you recently took a sabbatical. Can you tell us kind of what that journey looked like as you were growing the company, starting to feel burned out, taking a sabbatical, that whole piece? Yeah, this is actually just a topic I'm like so extremely passionate about. And I think it's because there are some elements that I feel like are just part of it, of growing a company. But then there are a lot of things that I feel like you can avoid. And it just takes, you know, having a little bit of that insight. But, you know, similar to probably a stage that you're at, you know, where it the business becomes so much bigger than you and it feels you know, there's a lot of other people on the line, their jobs, their insurance, all these just big, you know, adult things just, I feel like stare you in the face every single day. And I just think in general, like, I don't manage stress very well. Like I, I've learned that about myself. And I'm sure everyone's like, well, yeah, nobody does. But I feel like I especially and with like the pressure, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm cut out to be an entrepreneur, because Mm -hmm. I really don't thrive under heavy pressure. Um, And I think it's because I'm very, very critical of myself. I've always, you know, struggled with, with being a perfectionist and I'm actually not very competitive with other people. I'm very competitive internally. So I think, you know, being in this business and feeling so much intense pressure, I just felt myself, the best way I can say it is truly starting to crumble, you know, where it just was becoming so intense, so big, almost bigger than I felt like I could handle. And two, I felt like I was really giving so much to the business and really neglecting my family and my marriage. And I feel like it was partially because I felt this pressure to not only provide for my family, but for my team. And I don't know, it just was one of those things that now kind of getting on the other side of it, I just feel like it, it wasn't necessarily necessary to give so much to Fawn. I still could have given probably 80% of what I was and it would have still been where it was, you know? So I think the unfortunate thing for me is I kind of waited too long, right? Of just grinding at a pace that was not realistic not and letting, yeah, and the pressure. And then I just, yeah, it was crumbling. And I finally, you know, I had this, executive team and I you know we were ha- we were having this meeting towards the end of the year in 2019 I believe and we had this whiteboard and it listed everyone's name and like a big long list of kind of their roles and their expectations and things 
And I was sitting there staring at my name and this list. And I just was like, I can't do this. I cannot do this another year. Like I will die. Like I literally was that in such a dark place. So I'm sorry, like trigger warning, I guess in that regard, like was just like, I cannot do it. I can't do it. And so I looked at them and I just said, I can't do this. I like, I need a break. I need some time. And luckily, you know, they were like, okay. You know, they, I think there was some, probably some internal panic on their end, but I just, I just was really honest. And I'm like, if I keep going like this, like I'm not going to be around. Like I just, I can't do it. And so I ended up, yeah, taking about a year sabbatical. And I mean, it truly was the greatest gift I could have given to myself. And you know, what so many people ask me about it and say, you know, how were you able to do that? How, like from, especially from like a control standpoint, you know, and I think it was the best way I can say is I'm just like, that was my only option really, if I wanted to keep going. So you know, that's what I did. And it definitely was hard on my team, but they kept things going. Yes, there were definitely mistakes or things made. But you know, I, I'm now back into it cleaning up those messes. And you know, too, it was like, we had COVID, we had the aftermath of COVID, we're now in the state that we're in. So there are a lot of variables that I do feel like it's just kind of a hectic time to be coming back into my business. But I feel like I've gained such an important perspective that I just couldn't have gotten had I not gone through that really low, low and taking the time. I can honestly say today, I wouldn't trade it because I, I just really learned like, okay, if I could go back, here's what I would have done different. And it's definitely that, like I said, let's give 80%, you know, cause my 80% is probably an average person's 150%, you know, like, let's be real. There's just something about you know, people who hustle and who are dreamers and achievers, right? They just, they go at a pace that a lot of people maybe don't understand. So I definitely think I could have given that. I feel like something that's been important that I've recognized now is, and I think maybe a lot of moms relate to this, like you just feel like time is just slipping away. I don't remember where I'd heard years ago of something like, you know, if you complain about not having enough time, that's a you problem. Like that's a mismanagement problem on you. And I always took that really to heart. And so then I felt like I've always been really hard on myself when I have felt those feelings of like, man, I just feel like I don't have enough time. And I actually think that's probably one of the worst things I've ever heard and taken to heart because I'm like, we just have so much going on and we're trying to accomplish so much in a day that really like there isn't enough time. There isn't enough time to accomplish all the things we want to do or feel like we should do. And I feel like for me, just like accepting that was so powerful instead of just beating myself up day after day of like always feeling like there's not enough time. And so I think with that, being able to get a lot more realistic of what can I actually accomplish in a day? And then the other thing I've really started doing is I have a pretty rigid schedule and like I've gone through waves where I've done that, but like this time I just feel like there are so many things I want to do. And unless I have it like set and decided ahead of time, I'm someone who will sit and obsess over which thing is the most important to do. And it's hard because I think, especially being a mom and a business owner, you have your home and mom life and your work life. And they both feel at times equally important. 
So I'll have like a free hour and I'll be sitting there like I've got a mountain of laundry to fold, but I also have this project with Fawn that I really need to do. So I sit there and I try and in my mind decide which is more important. And it's like, I get in those like cycles. And so I finally recognize that for me to like hit my highest potential, I've got to have a plan. So then when those, you know, free moments are coming up or there's, you know, a change in the schedule that I'm like, no, I know that during these hours of the day, I'm going to choose fawn because that's what I've set myself up for. But then if it's, you know, after hours or not a work time, it's like, no, I'm going to go fold the laundry or I'm going to take my kids to the park or, you know, whatever it is. And it's taken that mental fatigue and choice overload. Yeah. I feel like out of my life. You're, you're eliminating the decision basically. Yeah. Which, which I think in, in any, I, I don't want to say a self-help book, but like a business development book, like it always says like eliminate every decision yeah. that you can, because then you can streamline. I want to go back to what something you yes. said before that you feel like maybe you aren't the right type of person to be an entrepreneur. Because as we know right now with um, e-commerce, it's the lowest barrier to entry there's ever been. Like anybody can yeah. go spend $25, get a Shopify and, you know, hand make bags out of their home or buy something off Alibaba and resell it on Amazon. Like it's a very low in the past. You needed to have funding and storefronts and, and that is all gone. So in maybe the eighties or nineties, it was like, Oh, I want to be on wall street and a banker. Right. And today it feels very in vogue to be an entrepreneur. And I yeah. heard somebody talking about like, not everyone is an entrepreneur right? Can you talk to me a little more about that on, you know, yourself, if you want, do you think you're an entrepreneur? Do you not? And like, what is your opinion on just like everybody starting their own business now or a side hustle or something? Like, what do you think on that? It's really tough because I feel like if you would have talked to me four years ago, I would have never said that about myself. I'd been like, oh, I'm, I'm born to do this. I am like in it for the hustle and the, I don't know if it, if it's truly even like this sounds silly, but I've just matured as an, as an adult. Cause I feel like I started my business as such a young person. And I think that time away, especially made me really realize what my priorities were and what was important to me. I think being really thrown into the business, the way that I was, I almost felt like I was kind of chasing and in the rat race, if you will. But I was looking a lot outward of like what I felt like I should be doing and what I should be chasing. And I, I even remember like feeling this need to like build a massive team and build a board and have an office space and a, you know, all these things. And because I felt like that's what you're supposed to do. Like, and that's what I'm watching. That's what I'm observing. And so that time away, the best thing that came from it, besides being able to be with my children and my husband was being able to go, what is it that I actually want? What are things that are important to me? And I think that's why this question of maybe why I don't necessarily feel like I make the best entrepreneur anymore. And and that's subjective, obviously, but I just feel like my priorities are so different where I'm like, I don't actually, I don't want to say I don't care because that's not the right word, but I just, I maybe don't care about those things that I thought are what make a business. I still like want to do fawn and I want it to be what's important to me and my whys and those things, but I want it to work for me and not necessarily like hitting these crazy milestones or doing things that I feel like it should be doing. So maybe it's to me, like 
defining like what a good entrepreneur is. Right. And to me where I'm like, man, the kind of entrepreneur I want to be is one who is off the clock at five o'clock and truly off the clock on the weekends and goes on a family vacation and is able to check out and be present and have those things where before I just, I felt like I just had a hard time really seeing that perspective. You know, I just felt like if I can just get one more thing done, that gets fun a little bit more ahead. And I think I wish more, more successful entrepreneurs, you know, that are at the top that we look to. Sometimes I wish they would talk about what they gave to get to where they were, because I think it's, it's easy to talk about some of those things, but it's like, yeah, but what did you lose? What did you, you know, what did your kids think about that truly, you know, or, and I don't know, but it's something that you don't really actually hear a lot of people talking about what they gave up to get to the top. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective because when I first started the first two years of Dreamland Baby, I didn't have any childcare help and yeah. I don't have a founder. It's it's just me. So I was doing things, you know, at 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then the kids went to school and then my husband came home at five and then I was working from five to 10. Like it was completely not sustainable. And yeah. then kind of tip this point where I said, okay, I we're now profitable enough that I could pay myself a salary. And so I used my salary basically to pay for full-time childcare. So I flipped that from being home or having my kids with me during the day to be able to work more like normal hours. And that was for me when I was able to kind of accelerate the business. Cause now I was really working in it. I could hire other people because I, you know, before it's like, I can't ask people to work from 5am yeah. to 8am kind of thing but I still was working on the weekends. It was seven days a week. And then I had a point where I was like, I am no longer going to work on the weekends. So when I started yeah. hiring a couple people, then I said like at, you know, five o'clock on Friday, now there's always exceptions, but pretty much without fail at five o'clock on Friday, like I am done. And I do not look at my email or return until I have calls every morning at seven until Monday morning at 7am. And, you know, as, as, as we were hiring, they were like, wow, I love that about you. Like you completely check out on the weekends and, you know, but what I was still doing during the weekdays was working from 7am till 7pm every single yeah. week, Right. And then Friday, you know, at five usually. So I'm working, I'm putting in 12 hours, 12 hour dates pretty much. And, and, you know, I don't take lunch and everything like that. And that became its type of burnout. So it's like, I, I went through these phases of burnout. And then I came to the point that I said, like, I want to be done every day at, at five. And there was a time where I definitely felt this guilt. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you were still working 10 hour dates. Like you are still yeah. working 10 hour days, but now you can at least see your kids after five o'clock because before for at least a year, I was only seeing them pretty much bedtime and then the weekends. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is like you, like, I think you kind of go through these phases and I feel now that I'm in like a super comfortable spot where I'm like, I'm very comfortable working 10 hours, 10 hour days. And I will, like, I remember probably six months ago, I went on one of my kids field trips and it was like, I don't know, like four hours during the day. And I thought I would never have done that a year before. Yeah. No, and I relate it, to that so much. Yeah. Like it was, I remember thinking at the time, like, this is so crazy that I'm doing this. And I had never taken a vacation. I'd never taken a day off. I think you just kind of like go through these phases, but like, I could recognize at each time, like I am going to burn out if I don't make a change. And like, there might be in the next year or two, I might say, 
I don't want to start every day at seven. I want to work from nine to five. And that is the ultimate goal, right? Like to get to that, there'd be a lot more that would need to happen for me to, to work 10 less hours per week. But one thing, one thing I did was I hired like an executive assistant over the summer. And that was that for me, I was able to take off that 10 hours a week, right? She works yeah. 20 hours a week, which was 10 hours of stuff I was doing. So yeah. I think it's like part of it's hiring, but you know, from, and, and for someone who's listening, it's not a business owner from a like mental health standpoint, right? Cause that's really what this kind of comes down to the burnout. Yeah. Is, no, it is. Like I'm going to explode. I'm going to crack. I'm going to break here. What kind of other things have you started doing or did you do during your sabbatical that you're pulling into now? Your yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, kind of the cliche, but like you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, and something that my therapist, which I mean, that's a huge thing. I'm a big advocate for therapy. I think everyone needs it at least in some point in their life. But, you know, she talked about like, we've almost like romanticized self-care to be this going and getting a massage or making it some grand thing just to have self-care where something she said to me that has stuck with me. She's like, you know, self-care is eating three meals a day. And I'm like, oh, because how many times are we skipping breakfast? We're skipping lunch. And then we're just wolfing down whatever we can get for dinner, or we're hurrying and eating in the car. And I'm not, you know, I'm not over here saying that I don't sometimes do those things, but I'm like, how can we make self-care a little more simple? But then, yeah. So then you're not pouring from an empty cup. You're not starving. I think trying to prioritize sleep. You know, that's the thing I was realizing with some of those nights that, you know, I'm working really late in the night. I'm like, how good is the quality of work I'm actually giving? You know, it's asking ourselves those questions like, can this wait till tomorrow? And I just think things like that we forget about because we're like, no, we have to put in the time or everything is important. Everything's an emergency. And I had to really get real with myself and my company and say, does Fawn Design save people's lives? Is it a life-saving device? Yeah. No, yeah. not. Yeah. So this email or this whatever can wait till tomorrow. And for me, having that perspective has made it a lot easier to go, yeah, this is feeling like it's important, but I'm going to go to bed. I need sleep. You know, I just think like, yes, I could say, oh, here's all the also the other things I'm doing. But I really do think getting back to those, like just taking care of your body and your mind, I just think is so important just in general, but I definitely think you don't realize how much of our mental health is because we are really sleep deprived. And a lot of us are moms and we're getting up and we're doing things. And so I do think knowing when to shut it off is helpful. Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep, the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. 
If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? I think it's important to find the fun and have fun. I feel like everything in the business, when it's so stressful, it's just like, it doesn't feel fun, you know, sometimes. And so, you know, being able to find those opportunities to have fun with your team or even to go out with your friends on an evening or go on a date with your spouse, you know, whatever fun is to you, like just carving out those moments to do that and literally stick it in your calendar. It's so important. We really, you know, we're guaranteed this life. And so who wants to like work all the time and be stressed all the time? Nobody, you know, but if you're not going to make time for those things, it's just going to pass you by. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, the, the having fun piece and adding that in, one thing that I tried to do, and you had touched on this earlier, you're like, I've accomplished anything bigger than my wildest dreams. Like what is there left to accomplish? And I remember when I first started the business, I'm like, okay, my goal is to sell 10 weighted sleep sacks per day. Like I was like, if I could do that, like I'd be happy. And then I was like, oh wow. And then it was like, okay, if in one month I could sell a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, in one year, a million dollars. And like these numbers at the time, they felt so big and not attainable, but then you attain them and you're like, okay, you know, yeah, 2 million or 4 million or 10 million or whatever. And so it just becomes like a, a nothing. And so I have told my team most of who do not drink, but I call them a champagne moment. And I say, we have to celebrate the champagne moments because there are incredible things we do. And so I have, and I'm, I'm a finance major. I'm like super revenue driven. And so I have put revenue markers for our company. And I'm like, the first month we pass, you know, X amount in a month or a quarter or whatever, like that's a champagne moment. And we're going to get, we're all remote. So like, we're going to get on a zoom call. We're going to have a lunch. We're going to all just talk about, you know, like just take a moment and celebrate it. I think your team's all local, right? Together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys can do to do more in-person things, but I think that's, you know, with anything, like I, I had this year, one of my, I'm really big on new year's resolutions and, and I actually keep them. And one thing it was to celebrate more. And so I made this big, huge, fancy ordeal on Valentine's day. And it was so funny because my kids were like totally not impressed. And I thought, oh my gosh, I went out, I got hard balloons. I got you guys all gifts. Like I got all this stuff. And I think they were, they, cause I was giving them a gift. They thought it would be something like a birthday gift. And it was just like little, yeah. nothing. And I'm like, you guys. And so it, you know, it was, it was actually disappointing to me that they weren't more excited about it. And then St. Patrick's day came and they were like, mom, where's all that stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody <laughs> said what they cared. So, but yeah. I said, you know, I just, my mom worked two days a week from seven to two. So she was effectively a stay-at-home mom and she, I'm one of five. She really made my childhood just, you know, I look back and it was magic, right? Like it just, everything was celebrated. She made these homemade cakes. Like I always felt important and I always felt seen. And and so, and so much of that was through celebration. And, you know, I remember, um, this is a funny memory, but when I was in sixth grade, I, I guess I had beat the middle school record for running a, a mile. 
we did this competition and I remember I came home from school and she got a cake and wrote the time and it was like our family celebrated and and I'm like would I have done that for my kids but it was in it you know it's it's insignificant it's like a middle school mile whatever it seemed like a big deal at the time and it was a big deal to me and so everything like my mom just made things a bigger deal and and I think that's what made my childhood again magical like that's the word I'd use and I think like you I'm so focused and so heads in on Dreamline Baby. I remember one of my kids was Star Student of the Week and I didn't even know. And I was like, oh, like, and our nanny had helped him put everything together. And I was like, gosh, like, I didn't even know you were the Star Student. And he was like, oh, well, you know, you're busy or whatever. And so I was like, man, like those, those are the moments where then you think like, what is this all for? Right. Is it for revenue? Is it for Like, what is it all for if your kids aren't happy and you're not, you're just not involved. And then all of a sudden you blink and it's like, oh, they're 18 and they left. And like, you know, now we have fond design and dream my baby, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're all alone. Sombering, <laughs> like, it's a sombering thought. And, and yeah. you know, luckily you and I, our kids are still pretty young, but you know, during your sabbatical, so you, you completely stepped out of the business. Like you were not answering an email, not involved at all. Not on an Instagram story. Like, oh. Yeah. So no, when I said, don't, I would literally was like in a loving way, don't contact me unless like the, like we're going under then uh, yeah. Chat with me. But I think I had to have that boundary because if I didn't, I would still find a way to, you know, slither back in, you know, I had to, I just knew I was at a point where I didn't have the self-control to just like check out in a healthy way. So another thing you talked about is having a really rigid schedule and not having to, you know, eliminate those decisions. Can you tell us what, you know, now that you're back in the business and you're doing mom life, business life, what is a typical day? And I want all the details, like wake up at this time, start eating this. Like, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, lately I've been trying to get up at six. So my youngest is one and a half and she has been by far my worst sleeper that I have experienced. I don't know what her deal is. Well, actually, I know what her deal is. She like has severe separation and anxiety from me, which that is a beautiful thing because I didn't experience that with my other two because I was working so much. So like, I mean, so my youngest Maggie is, she truly is such a gift to me because it was it, it, it like the best way I can explain it is like, you know, me taking that time and being able to have her and truly be with her as a baby and not passing her to anybody else. Like that paid me back so greatly in the sense of like, she is obsessed with me. She really healed a part of me that was broken, you know, because with my other two, I had them and yeah, I had help. I had things. So I wasn't with them. And I carried so much of that guilt of, I wasn't there for my kids. And I didn't even know what time their preschool ended because I didn't ever pick them up. You know, things like what you were saying, I related to so much. Anyway, that was like a tangent, but I've been trying to get up at six, but I feel like half the time I'm up and doing stuff with her. So it's, it's kind of a wash when I'm getting up, but I set the alarm for six just being real, but you know, I'm trying to get a workout in, in the morning, but I also will say like the days that I'm tired, I don't work out like, and that's a very different behavior for me because I am such an all or nothing person that, you know, in years past, I would have been like, what the heck? Like, get up, get going. Why didn't you work out? Where now I'm just like, you know what? I'm being a lot more intentional. I'm tired. 
I'm not going to exercise, you know, but I honoring your body. Yes. But I do try, you know, I do try and exercise. I do try and go for a walk outside. I've been doing that right before I put Maggie down for a nap. We've been going for a walk when it's nice out, or I do have like a walking pad that I do work from. I primarily work from home right now. I go into the office maybe one or two days for sure. One day a week, I want to be home with Maggie and I want to see my kids off and I, I like to go and pick them up or at least be home when they come home from school. And so working from home has really helped me be able to do that. And kind of back to that thing I mentioned, like, I don't need this head, this headquarters and this, you know, fancy office. I mean, we do have a great little office, but I don't feel this need to like be in, you know, in my desk, whatever working. So yeah, get up, you know, get up with the kids, breakfast, school. And then I pretty much try to work just during, you know, elementary school hours. That's kind of what I've set for myself. So I try to be done by three o'clock. Occasionally, you know, my husband will go pick up the kids so I can work till maybe four o'clock. But that's been like, my life has become so simple Mm. in the sense of I really enjoy making myself lunch at home. And I really enjoy, you know, in the middle of the workday, taking a break and going for a walk, you know, just things that I would have never done. I would have never allowed myself to do that. But it's insane how just those little little tweaks have just made my mental health so much better and just given me almost like a zest for life because I'm getting out of this like bubble this you know I know I think you use the word simple but I I mean I'm hearing balanced right yeah you're balanced that really is you know what what is Oprah's you can you can have everything but not all at once and I think that's something that we have been taught but I don't necessarily think that's true I think that there are seasons, like when I first started that I'm working seven to seven, seven days a week. Like, yes, like you, I, you cannot have, you know, it's like, I feel like TikTok has ruined the, um, what is it called below us? Not millennials, Gen Z. Is it Gen Z? Yeah. 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 It has ruined them because they, because even with Instagram to be an influencer, you had to work, right? You had to put in years of posting and nobody liked it. And but then TikTok came along and it was like overnight you could become a yeah. TikTok influencer and have brands pay yeah. you this and that and have all these followers. But it's like you you really so that's what I consider the fake world. But in the real world, like you are never gonna have the life you want if you don't put in the time at some point to get it. So yeah, I agree with Oprah during that time, right? Like you have to make a sacrifice, but then I think it's up to you to say what is important. And how do we then create this balance? And it's only you could ever know that, right? And and I love how you talked about because you're so young. You're only 31 and you've had a business for 10 years. Like that is crazy. You're like, as I've as I've aged, as I've matured. As but, I've matured into an actual adult. Yeah, as I've become a real person. Well, so here, here's a fun, here's a funny thing. So my husband is nine years older than me. And when we met, he, he had three children. So, you know, he had had this, like, he got married when he was 21. So he'd been married for 10 years already. He had, you know, been divorced. He had three kids. He had a house. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you've done all this, all these things. And yeah. I just graduated from college. And, and when we met, I was like, like a child, right? Like I just graduated yeah. from college. And so we were talking about something recently. And I said, you know, have you always felt like we were like equals? 
And he said, no, not until you started the company. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like you were married to me all this time. And he's like, you were just so immature before. And he's like, but in the best way. And he's like, but now, and he's like seeing you like evolve through the business. Yeah. Like it's been incredible to watch. Like, and I know I started this in the summer of 2018 and, and, and it really coincides with the birth of my son, Luke, who, you know, I was home with for two years while I was doing, doing dreamline baby. And I call him my dreamline baby. And he is yeah. obsessed with me in a way my kids aren't because they all had nannies and like, he was just with me all the time. And so, you know, he's kind of my healing baby too, but anyways, yeah. I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I just thought it was such a funny thing for my husband to say. So I'm like, you know, we've, we've been married over 10 years and I'm like, you know, half our marriage, you thought I was like significantly not an equal to you. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a clown half the time. So, yeah. um, you know, I, but, but I think for me too, like, I really feel like I have like grown or aged and the business forces you to do that. Yeah. Because you are responsible for people's salary. Like you said, their healthcare for their children's healthcare. Like it's a big responsibility. And I think it makes you just really realize there's so much more than a revenue number selling 10 a day or a thousand a week yeah. or whatever it is. Um, you're, you're really talking about the bigger things on life, but, um, oh my gosh, Jenny, I could talk to you all day about all the things on and a simple life, a balanced life. I would say a life well-lived, right? Any, any closing thoughts or ideas on these topics of burnout? Oh man. I mean, I think the last thing I would say is just your worth is not dependent on the success of your business. And I do feel like people talk about that, but I really, I really went through a period where the success of Fawn was how I valued me as a person. Mm -hmm. And when I could finally take that time to separate of like, people are my friend because of me, you know, people like me because of me, you know, people do shop Fawn because of Fawn. And also, yeah, there are some pieces to me, but they still would probably buy it anyway, right? You know, the times where Fawn maybe isn't doing so great, that isn't a reflection of who I am as a person. And, and I don't want to be tied to its success or failure in the way of like my self worth. And so I do think with that same note of, you know, taking the time to take care of yourself along the way, is actually going to give you a much longer, probably even fruitful career, as well as balance with your family. And, you know, what more can you ask for, but you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, if you're not taking time for yourself. And hundred percent, the success of your business is not your worth or identity. I love that. Tell everybody where they can find you all the places and you have a code for us. Yes. So Fawn Design on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those places. You can follow me personally, just Jenny Wecker. Feel free. I'm always telling people, feel free if you have a question or anything, just shoot me a DM and I will get back to it in the next month or two, but I will get back to you at some point. You know, I'm always trying to help other people, especially other women entrepreneurs. Um, and then I think I did the code, uh, mom, mom manual. I just did it easy, um, for 15% off site wide for new customers. So yeah, I'd love, love you come over to fawn. Jenny, you are so relatable and I really appreciate you, you sharing your, you know, authentic story because, um, like you said, a lot of those bigger successful entrepreneurs just show the, um, kind of glory side and not the work that yeah. it took to get there. So thank you for sharing today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tara. So great to talk with you.